But yeah, man, it's good to finally meet you, though. I mean, we can get into this when we're rolling. Because, yeah, it's an interesting thing, like, how... Um, are we rolling? Yeah, back in bold, baby. We're on. We're going. We got uh, Mr. James here. He's currently in the Mona Lisa. It was one of my favorite Airbnbs I've stayed at in Florianapolis, Brazil. It's in this beautiful part of Floripa, Barra da Lagoa. You have your own beach to yourself. The, the owner of the place, she's a, a German, or she came from Germany. Amazing lady. God, I love that apartment. I still dream about that apartment. I'm so happy you're there. We got in contact, I think, through that Foreign Strategies, the interview I did. And I said, hey, you're going to Floripa, bro. You need to stay here. It is paradise. What do you think of it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy story how uh, how we got in touch. Um, but yeah, I'm staying I'm staying in the Mona Lisa. And um, yeah, to be honest, I didn't really have plans to come to Floripa. I, I just kind of knew, because you know, I've been kind of traveling around Brazil in general. I've been to the Northeast, been to Sao Paulo. And I just thought, you know what? Before I leave, let's go to this like state, you know, Santa Catarina, where everyone says it's like, you know, California, and it's like really beautiful and really safe. Because to be honest, I've been in Rio and Sao Paulo and I kind of got, I got sick of that feeling of like constantly being a little bit on edge where you have to like, you know, if someone walks behind you, you have to like, you know, just, just, just make sure you're not about to get jacked. Because that's obviously everyone knows that's the, that's the one downside to Brazil is the goddamn safety situation. Um, so, so I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I want to come to Florida because it's like safe or whatever. And then, um, yeah. Well, obviously, I heard about you from um, your foreign strategies, you know, interview and uh, messaged you on um, Insta. You were very gracious and got back to me. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned this place. And I saw this. I actually saw this, um, that podcast. I think, was that the foreign strategies one you did from here or? Yeah, I was in that uh, that Airbnb right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember you talked about it and all the all the things you got up to here. So I was like, damn, I'm going to have to check that place out. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, the host uh, is very gracious. She let me walk her dog yesterday, which was very nice of her. Um, yeah, man, I'm loving the place. The the vibe, you have to like, it's like, it's nothing like you, you would expect. How you get here, there's no cars allowed in this part of the, of, um, of the town. You have to kind of like walk up these steps. It's like, it's like being in, um, I don't know, I don't know what it's like. It's like basically these alleyways and steps, and it's, it's very quaint, very quaint. And then you it come around the corner. Yeah, and you come around the corner, and the view to the beach, and it's like this tiny beach. It's like the smallest the smallest beach is like pretty much just for the residents, but obviously it's open to everyone. But so apparently um, I was hanging out with a local, and she said that, it used to be quiet this beach, but now in the summer everyone knows about it, and it does get it does get packed. But yeah, yeah it's so cool. Sick. Like you're you're living like with the locals there, and they all know each other, and it is. Uh, I love that place. Um, I I told her I want to buy the whole place, and she was like, "No, I'm not, I'm there. I'm not selling. I won't do this. I want." It's literally would be the coolest like mini hostel residency that upper level with the deck. It, it would be the most coolest thing in the world, but. Anyways, yeah, what yeah, is with Brazil, though? The Brazil. I know you're studying this um, this Latin uh, America, and you're seeing kind of, you know, when I was there, people were just, there's violence. It's just part of life. The corruption is part of yeah. life. Like, I was talking to this Argentina dude in this, um, another place in, in the north of the island in Florianapolis. It was Casa Arte. Trippy, trippy place. It was made out of, like, bottles and beer bottles. And the dude 
from Argentina, which used to be one of the richest. Okay, we're getting a bit choppy, audio-wise. Don't know which end that is. Okay, you hear me? Um, so you, Argentina was the last thing I heard. But I was talking about this Argentina dude, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm talking to this older guy with his wife. They're on uh, the vacation. He's an Argentina dude. And if you remember, like, Argentina used to be one of the richest countries in the world. Like, in the early 1900s, uh, they were, like, top dogs. And speaking to him, it was just, like, despair. There was no hope. It is what it is. Like, our government's corrupt. Our money's flying. There's no way to change this. I mean, it's weird because in Latin America, I met some of the you know funnest people. They're enjoying life and whatnot. But in the back of their head, it's just like, this is it. Unless I get out, unless I go abroad, like this is how life is and it is what it is. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of strange. Um, I mean, yeah, Argentina is different, I, I feel. Because I feel like, I feel like Brazil is, um, Brazil could be a first world country. Like it really could be. It's, you know, especially you know, in, the, in the South, if you kind of immerse yourself in, Santa Catarina or whatever, it feels very, very first world, you know, European, you know, Brazil has high class manufacturing, they make cars here, yeah, for their foreign cars, obviously cars for um, Daewoo, Honda, um, you know, all these different companies, but they make stuff here, they actually have a manufacturing base here, they have their own oil company, you know, they're very proud of you know, Brazilian made goods, whether it's food or construction or whatever. I feel like Brazil is so close to being a first world country. It's so close. It's just, it's just <laughs> this damn safety situation. And, and, um, and they still have a bit of a third world mindset. For example, um, obviously they have a lot of kids here. Like the population, unlike a lot of countries in the West, population here is booming. Like it's just, it's just insane. You meet someone and they're like, yeah, I've got four kids. Oh, how old are you? I'm 28. It's like, wow. Um, so the, the problem gets compounded, I feel with the population boom. That's why, that's why the problem isn't really going to go away in Brazil. You can't lift all these people out of poverty because they're all multiplying so much. You know what I mean? So it's like the, these problems are going to persist. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, Argentina is kind of different. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to know where they went wrong because they want to be so European so, so badly. Argentinians, like, you know, they model themselves on Italy and, you know, the UK. Um, so, and, you know, if you go to Argentina, the architecture, Buenos Aires, it feels like you're in Europe, you know, they have a European mindset. They're a bit neurotic like Europeans, you know? So it's kind of hard to know where they went wrong in their situation. Um, my friend is going to Argentina right now and yeah, you're right. The situation there with the dollar you have to do everything you know black market and they actually they actually appreciate if you bring dollars into argentina you get more conversion when they have live dollars from you so they encourage you to bring live cash because the dollar like you always say you're american i'm not but the dollar is the is the world's number one currency and um yeah they really appreciate for now for now it is and i hope it stays it's it's reason one of the reasons i can live such a good life but yeah so that blue market so they call it a blue market it's pretty in the open too is um yeah you know the the official currency rate is one dollar is like 100 pesos but like the real one is one dollar equals 200 pesos so you have to go to like these dealers you know it's you know it's not uh, totally legal and get the real money otherwise you're losing 50 percent and uh it's crazy though there's a western union hack and uh 
you wire money into Western Union and you pick up in pesos and they give you the blue rate. So if you don't want to go to the shady person, you can do the Western Union thing. But I guess like a lot of them get cleared out right away in the morning because, you know, how yeah. shitty their currency is. People get in there and they come away with, you know, uh, 50,000 pesos for not that much. But I don't yeah. know. It's just then, that, it, Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, you know, like I said, it doesn't match up. Their economy and their situation doesn't match up. I've met Argentinians. I've met them. People from Argentina, people from like Uruguay, Paraguay, people from the, the southern part of, of um, Latin America. They're very, very intelligent people. They're very intelligent. They're very intelligent. They're very smart. They're very artistic. They, they, you know, they know classical culture. They know classical music. You know, they know books. You know, they're very, very smart people. So it's a real, for me, Argentina is a real, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I can understand Brazil and and what Brazil needs to do to become a first world country. It needs to do a few things. Um, but Argentina, I don't know. I don't know why that country is. Let me comment on this Brazil thing. My buddy there who lives there, who you should meet if you're still in the Floripa, crypto guy. He said uh, what uh, someone told him a while ago when he moved there was Brazil will always be the economy of the future. It has all the pieces. It has everything you can need, all the resources, but it's never yeah. going to happen. Like through corruption, through all this bullshit, like they have the seventh most amount of billionaires and most of their population, if they have a good job, lives on $500 a month. Good job. I mean, that's crazy. The seventh most amount of billionaires and the inequality is that staggering. And I posted this on the, the Instagram story um, last night. 47 out of the 50 most violent cities in the world. Now, who knows necessarily what kind of statistics and everything they're using, but I assume it's not like war stats. It's more about like every day-to-day -day life. 47 out of 50 were in the, in the Americas, whether it be, you know, Mexico, Brazil, um, Venezuela, um, Ecuador. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like they were colonies, right? Colonial outposts. And maybe this goes back to why it's so inequality today, because back then they would go over here, they would strip everything, they would bring the slaves and they would take it all and transport it to Europe, right? But I mean, shit, why is Canada decent then? Why is the USA so good? Australia was a colony. Why is it with Latin America that it is still so fucked up? I mean, do the people like hate each other? Is it, um, I don't know what it is, but it can't just be the, the colonial thing and, oh, the CIA came in there. Well, shit, 500 yeah. years before that, I mean, the Dutch, the Portuguese, all that, like there has to be more to it than just blaming everyone else. Don't you think? I feel the same about Russia. If you think about Russia, right? Why, 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 why has Russia had a succession of bad leaders that, almost genocide their own people if you think about it russian leaders have killed more russian people than it's just insane how much i mean you know what russia you know obviously it's half european half asian and you just think to yourself why does it keep why do certain countries just not able to kick the the habit and that really applies to russia to me because it's like you know they're a white country they're a european country Again, they have some of the smartest people in the world. Think about, you know, the smartest people that came from music and, and, and mathematics and, you know, science that, that, that came from Russia. But at the same time, they're just being cursed with this with government that almost hates the people. You know, back in the days of the SARS, you know, they had, um, they had this thing called um, um, indentured, uh, is it servitude? Or the, there's a word for it where you're, you're kind you're of like... You're a peasant or whatever, right? yeah you're almost a slave you, you but you, you're kind of like bound to your 
to your kind of estate. You can't leave your estate. So most people lived in this condition where they had no rights. And that was in the days of the SARS, like, you know, in the you know, 1600s or whatever. And it took them a long time to change that. Similar to the to America, how it took them a civil war to, like, finally end um, slavery. In Russia, it took them, like, a really long time to end this indentured um, servitude, basically. So it's like, and then after that, they went straight into um, Lenin and Stalin, who basically, his policy was basically to, you know, to do whatever, but to like, as a process, to starve millions of people, whether it was in Ukraine, in Russia, send millions to the gulags to like die. I mean, what other country has has a generation of leadership to this day that almost seems to, you talk about billionaires, think about the Russian billionaires, people at the top, like Putin is, is you know, is rumored to be one of the richest billionaires on the planet and you compare that to the local average population and 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 and, and how they're struggling it, it just boggles my mind it's like why 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 can't why can't russia get a break in terms of leadership i think again russia is on the is on the cusp of being a first class country is well i mean up to <laughs> up to like two months ago you know i just feel like it's so close i feel the same thing with brazil i feel like just a change of leadership where people actually come in and say, hey, yes, fair enough. We want to be capitalists, right? You know, if you're a billionaire, whatever, if you're, you know, if you're a manufacturer, if you own businesses, we're not coming for you, but just pay your taxes and just, you know, let, let's let just stop this cronyism where it's like, oh, okay, we're part of the big boys club. So we have to give you billions and give you billions. And like, it leaves nothing for the rest of the world and, you know, nothing for the rest of our population. I mean, I'm from Africa, right? I was born in Africa. And that's the number one frustration in Africa is, is the corruption. You know, you just think to yourself, like, why can't we just get a leader that just says, okay, let's just, you know, let's just bring up the general level. Let's just bring everyone up a little bit because that would improve society. That would make us feel a little bit safer. If you, if you raised general, um, you know, wages or... Um, standard of life in Brazil, for example, it would make everyone safer because you'd have less street crime, because you'd have less extremely poor people and this huge inequality. So it's in everybody's interest to like just raise the standard a little bit. But it, it just seems to be once you're at the top and once you like part of the small community of like cronies that make billions, it seems to be that you just never want to change that for generations. Yeah, here's what's really interesting. I forgot where I was reading this, but like in first world countries, there's still a massive amount of corruption, but it's at high levels with like high officials, high corporations. You know, like the famous uh, quote is rich people don't pay taxes. There was a real estate Harris in New York City. I forgot her name. And it's true. They have so many offshore ways, so many ways to defer, to write off. Um, but the middle class in first world countries doesn't necessarily feel the corruption day to day. Unlike third world, where it's in your face nonstop. Doesn't matter if you're middle, low, high class, you have to deal with it. But in these first world countries, because you get you grew up in uh, the UK, I grew up in the USA, it doesn't really affect us that much. We still live amazing lives, and we don't get just slapped in the face with this brutal corruption. And uh, to go off some of your points, you do speak Russian, so I'm really interested to hear your uh, your Russian ideas. It's it's fascinating with this like Slavic culture. Now, I've been traveling around uh, in uh, Eastern Europe before this, but now I'm living in Poland. And there's always like the, in the Slavic people, 
this like depression thing in the back of their head or everything is, you know, it, you know, it, it always can be worse, you know, like they're not, it's like, you can never like get them to like genuinely be optimistic. And I know this is a really big American thing. We are super optimistic, delusionally confident, live in our own bubble. There's pros and cons to that. <laughs> but something, something about the Slavic people is just like, yo, like stop being a bitch. Like it's not always about suffering. They love to suffer. That's the point. Yeah, it's to them, it's um, that melancholy. It's kind of artistic. It means that you have a soul. You know, it means that you're a real person. That you know, they associate this. You know, this Americanism of like being smiley, happy all the time. They associate that with being fake. You know, it's like, oh, no one's that happy all the time, smiling. You know, and you know, I suppose in a way. I mean, I've been to the states many, many times. You know, Europeans do kind of feel a little bit like overwhelmed by American chirpiness, if you like, especially when it comes from people that you don't know. Like, you know, you be in, you know, you be on the street or in a restaurant and the restaurant, you know, the, the waitress will be like, hi, how are you? La, 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 la. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, like, we don't do that in Europe, you know? We don't do that in Europe. But yeah, of even course, if you're it's right. fake, like superficial, even if it's superficial, which a lot of it is, it's still like, I don't know, I, it feels good to me. Like, if someone's walking on the street and they say, hey, have a great day, like, I don't care what anyone says, that human interaction is not bad. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a good thing, though, about being in these different places is, you know, you saw me in foreign strategies. I like uh, I like dating women and I like talking to them in the street. So when you go talk in the street, they're like, holy shit, like no one's ever talked to me. This is this is crazy. And obviously they're like, is this guy, uh, uh, what is he? He's a beggar. If you dress decent, they think you're a beggar and whatnot. And it's it turns into an amazing conversation because it's so out of their realm, like, can't believe i can talk yeah. to a stranger and he, he can make me smile and we, we go on our merry way it's trippy but that melancholy that's a good word that's why i've heard them say like if you smile you're either stupid or you're fake in these slavic countries right yeah in in russia they actually get offended if you smile at them like say if you smile at, like you know a complete stranger on the, on the um um you know public transport metro i remember i was in ukraine last year actually and um, I, I was with someone and we were walking along and I felt, yeah, I, I felt this, this the same thing in Ukraine. There's that this general kind of like dourness of like, everyone is just kind of like, looks, looks like you killed their cats. You know, it feels like everyone has just like lost their pet this morning. And um, it was kind of getting, it was kind of wearing me down a little bit. So I, I remember I was, with, I was with a friend walking down the street. I just started like joking with her, like, Hey, you know, like, why don't we just have a bit of fun? Like, take over the street, start dancing in the street. And she was, like, she was like, no, no, we can't do this. We can't do this. And I remember just like, I started saying, okay, I'm going to just smile at random strangers, right? And I was like, you know, just like, you know, just a little bit of like, you know, having fun with people, see people smile, do a thumbs up to like random people. And honestly, people were like looking at me. I remember one guy looked at me and he thought that I was, um, in English, we say taking a piss, which is like making fun. He thought I was making fun of him because I was smiling and thumbs upping him. You know what I mean? Like he was, he, 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 he looked at me and then, and then, the, and then the girl I was with, she was like, push me away. Like, let's go. You know, because like this guy was getting upset just because I was walking around smiling at everyone. So yeah, they, they, um, they, they associate you smiling at them to not be a good thing. Certainly not in the American well, way. I mean, it's not that, uh, that bad. I mean, especially like, um, if you were doing that, 
because uh, I want to clickbait this somewhat and, and get into your experience experiences as a black guy in Ukraine with, I assume the Ukrainian girl was white and you're looking at the guy like smiling, like, yo, I got your girl right here. I mean, that sounds dangerous to me, but let's get into that quick though. Cause um, you're from uh, Africa, then you live most of your life in the UK and you started really traveling now. Um, what has this experience been being uh, uh, an African traveling around? Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm grateful that I have the the great British passport, which is you know giving me all, all the access. I think I think uh, you know the British passport is up there in terms of <clears throat> giving you access to the world, visa free. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's great in that sense. And um, you know, as far as everyone's concerned, you know, I am British. Obviously, my accent, the, you know, the way I roll, the way I dress, my culture is very British. Um, in fact, you know, Africans, uh, you know, Nigerians accuse me of. Um, being you know being a fake Nigerian because I don't I don't speak the language I haven't lived there since I was a child um but yeah I mean obviously every every black traveler will tell you yeah there's certain situations certain things that happen where you're like okay okay that <laughs> okay that happened but you know to be honest my mindset is that you know um you know perception is reality in a sense that you you could go around taking every every slight um i don't know if you can hear me because your audio is a bit ropey um but yeah you could go around perceiving every every slight every every negative kind of glance whatever you can go around perceiving all of that as like oh my god they don't like me oh my god but for me i'm too busy for that shit you know what what i've learned in the world is that first of all um, you know, from being in Europe or whatever, like, yeah, sometimes a lot of Europeans, they don't smile. They, you know, even in Brazil, one of the, one of the biggest fallacies about Brazil, uh, that I, that I found was that, oh, people go around smiling at everyone. No, they don't. Brazilians don't walk around smiling at everyone. Um, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's very European in that sense. And again, in Eastern Europe, people don't smile. So you don't take that personally. Um, one, one thing that you know here, when you travel outside of um, the UK and the US, is that if someone doesn't like you, they kind of make it obvious. It's a bit weird, but you find that you have interactions with like a shopkeeper and it's like, well, that was weird. That person just just made it totally obvious that, that they didn't like me. You must have experienced that traveling around Eastern Europe, right? When people, when people don't like you, they just kind of like start grunting at you. You give them money and they're like, huh? You know, there's like, oh, what's your problem, dude? I've just come here to pay for like a, you know, for a piece of chocolate or whatever and then you're like huh and then and then they just give you your change and it's like okay and then you walk out and it's like really awkward um you know which you wouldn't get in the uk you wouldn't get that in america someone kind of like showing you so obviously that they don't like you um you know they, which i like that of... i i bet i like that straightforwardness like i want people to tell me what is up but you have a great freaking point is the perception is reality because if you're walking around the whole day you know, letting your insecurities project that, oh, what does this person think about me? This and that. Like, you can't do it. You'll go fucking crazy. Don't live in la-la land because you might get taken advantage of, but don't take anything personally. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Like, this person, maybe they grew up with anti-American propaganda or, I mean, you don't know each other. They know nothing fucking about you. So it doesn't matter what they think, What I mean, how they act towards you, move on. People that get this ego when they're traveling, it's just, it, it ends in destruction. There's no reason for it especially like you know i brought up the point when you were with the ukrainian girl and you're giving thumbs up to the guy like if i'm dating girls and shit and dudes are the locals are getting mad or whatnot it's like look 
these people, you know, sadly they live, this is where they're going to live for the rest of their life. They're going to do their job. Like this is their, you know, area. They want to feel like King Kong there. It's never worth it to get, go after with any of these people. It, it, it's just not worth it. You know what I mean? Put your pride to the side, put your ego down and just move the fuck on. Yeah. Number one tip for traveling for any man is um, be humble. No matter what happens, be humble. There will be frustrations. Um, you know, if you come from the Western world and you're traveling through the third world in terms of these developing countries and countries that aren't quite there in terms of whatever Western standards, you're going to get some frustrations, especially after after the honeymoon period has passed, the first two weeks, and then you start to experience the realness. But you should always be humble. I mean, I've had incidents here in Brazil. You know, in Brazil, obviously, every building here has security and, you know, there's been incidents with them not letting me in. You know, like, oh, so many incidents where it's like, you know, it's like you, it's like the frustration is just like building, building, but you must always be, always be humble because these people, like, they don't mess around. Like, you don't know who they know and what they do when they leave, leave their job. And you know what I mean? Like, you just got to, and also another tip for traveling, I've noticed that the best travelers, the ones that make the most connections and have the most friends, they are just the most, they're the kind of talk to anyone kind of traveler. You know, they'll just speak to the person next to them. They don't, they're not like observing people to see, oh, do they like me? And then they'll go and talk. They just talk to everyone, you know? And you you always assume you will do better in this life, always assuming that that person is looking at you because they're curious about you, not because they don't like you, because they, they haven't seen someone that looks like you before. They're curious. If you go over to them and say, hey, how are you? They'll, 90% of the time, they'll light up and be like, Oh wow, you know, and just start interacting with you 90% of the time, I guarantee it. Because it doesn't it doesn't matter because the, these travelers you're talking about, they realize, look, if they don't like me, there's a hundred million other other people. There's new cities. If they do like you, great, you can develop a connection. But like people that are stuck yeah. in uh, you know, location dependent places, if they have a bad experience with someone, that might follow them. They might see them uh next week at the bar, they might see them at their job or something like that. So you're more like afraid of uh rejection right but when here it's like you're gonna get rejected a shit ton but it's fine you want to weed through the people that don't you don't vibe with and finds the ones that you do i mean out of 100 people i meet while traveling whether it's dudes or girls i think i stay in contact with maybe five of them know what i mean so it's like that kind of mindset i'll have fun with you know 20 30 of them out of the 100 and then a lot of them dwindle away and then i keep five good relationships know what i mean and that's like human nature we can only have like 150 yeah. at one time. Our brain can't like process it. But um, a point though, yes, it's it's good to be humble, but you need to be stern and do not let them walk over you. Like uh, in Mexico, holy shit, dude. If you don't have a backbone, you're going to get eaten alive by these people. And I did this in, in Cozumel. I've told this story before is I kind of crashed the moped, but luckily it was like miraculously not much damage. And there's a couple scratches. I'm like, okay, shit, I'll give them 20 bucks. This is easy. I go back there like the next day. I'm like, Hey, you know, here it is. I'm going to show you the scratches. They didn't see it when they first looked at it. They're about to be all good. I'm like, Hey, you know, here's some scratches here. Like, you know, I'll give you 20 bucks. This is easily buffed out or, or whatever. And they're like, Oh, hold on. Let me get my boss back here. I'm like, Oh shit, we got to do this. Right. So the boss goes down, he takes me in his little office. He starts like typing on a calculator, right? And the number keeps going up and up and it gets like 265. And I'm like, oh, that's pesos, right? Okay, that's nothing. That's, you know, like 20 bucks. And he's like, yeah, I'll be $265. I said, fuck you. Don't play that stuff. And he's like, what? I said, no, that's horseshit. You know, that's horseshit. He's like, well, but, but look at this. And then he shows me some like thing about like damages or whatever. 
And when I saw it, it was in pesos. Now all of a sudden it's dollars. And it says like each part of this fucking hundred dollar moped is worth like $200 or some shit. I'm like, you're, you're, you're lying. You're he's like, do you want me to call the police? And then they, they, everyone thinks like the tourists, okay, the police, the cartel, it's the same fucking thing. Right. I said, call the fucking police. Like, this is, I'm not paying this. This is wrong. And so the police come and this guy can, you know, kind of speak English. And he's like, look, man, like you can fight this, but I don't know how many days you're left on the Island. I was in Cozumel. You know, you have to go get a lawyer and, you know, it's only $265 and like, it's just best to, you know, do this because they think a lot of these people, they're there for a weekend, right? So they just get you fucked. So you just pay it and you move on. I said, well, I'm not here for a couple of days. So like, let's fight this stuff. It's like, oh shit. And then the guy starts negotiating with me. He's like, well, how about $200? I said, fuck that. I'll pay you $20. Uh, uh, $150. No, like maybe, maybe $50 because I'm fucking pissed now and I just want to get out of here. And I got him down to like... uh Okay, I'll pay you on my credit card for like, I think it was $100. I'm like, I'm just going to go right to my bank and, uh, you know, this is whatever. And I did that. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, my bank canceled all of it and flagged them or whatnot. But that's a point, though. Like, if you're all happy, jolly, you know, sometimes you got to be careful. Because, like, I knew there wasn't as many narcos on Cozumel. So I was a little more safe. You know, because if you start stepping on narcos toes, you know what I mean? Like, then you're you're asking for a world of hurt. But don't let these people take advantage of you. Like be stern, be respectful, but don't uh, just be, Oh yes. Like these, these Americans do this a lot. Like, Oh yes. Shore assist or shop assistant. Uh, your brother works at my hotel. Oh, I must talk to you. Know what I mean? Like these guys are yeah. masters at selling. They're masters at persuading, especially to like dumb, uh, you know, first world or Westerners. Yeah. That, that, that's one of the things that is the most shocking is, is that, you know, you come to Brazil, for example, and you're prepared for like street violence. You're prepared to, you know, um, defend yourself, whatever, in terms of like protect your belongings in the street. But what you're not prepared for is to be scammed by a legit restaurant, legit bar, which happened to me, by the way. And the first time it happens, it it, it shocks you. It, it really, really shocks you because it's like, you know, they're doing it. You know, they're charging you four times the price of like, you know, so basically I was, I was with a friend basically. And, um, you know, we had a meal and a couple of drinks and this was like a, this was like a bar slash restaurant that I, that I was kind of going to quite often. So I thought I knew these people. I thought me and these people were friends. And all of a sudden, um, I, you know, we were kind of leaving. I was kind of in a rush to leave. So the bill came and I just kind of like, I just kind of paid it. And then I was like the double, I, I did a double take. And this, this bill was like probably like 80, $90. This is in Brazil for like a meal and two drinks. Can you imagine? And, um, but by that point it, it was kind of done already, but like at, at that point I was so pissed, I was so pissed and I, and, 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 and I vowed to myself if that ever happens again, I'm going to cause the biggest scene in the, in, in the restaurant in the history of the world. I'm just going to start speaking in loud English, like swearing. And I'm just going to be like, Hey, fuck you. I'm not paying this. Um, yeah, because the first time that was the first time that I've been scammed, um, in that way. And it's, it's, it's so too, shocking. Like you said, like you said, I mean, you had been going there. So you thought you were friends with them. And this happens a lot too. Like you meet these people and even if you've been hanging out with them for a while, like you're starting to feel a relationship and all of a sudden it comes a point where it's like, Hey, my grandmother is going to the hospital. I need some pesos. I need this. Or, you know, they try to get some extra shit from you. It's just like, damn, like really you're going to ruin our little relationship. Like just for, you know, trying to pull like a quick one, but I get it. Cause a lot of tourists they come through there they treat the place like a dump they fuck all the girls the local girls and they leave so 
this is in their DNA. I mean, their not their DNA. This is in their you know lifestyle where it's like, okay, they're gonna treat us like shit. Let's try to let's try to uh, take as much as we can from them. Like it's that's just what it is. So if you are a smart you know traveler and if you, you're doing it, you you see that game and you understand it and and play within it. Know what I mean? Like it doesn't mean you have to become cold and heartless and you know everyone's about to scam you type deal. But you need to put your foot down. Otherwise, that money goes quick or you know, I have like buddies who, you know, got in with like the drugs or got, uh, you know, beat up and you just, you can't be that trustworthy of people in foreign countries a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's like gradients of it basically, because there could be, you could be scammed in a kind of like unofficial way in terms of like, you know, you go on a tour and then they just kind of like pressure you to like, you know, buy this and give this tip or whatever, like, Basically, whenever you put yourself in the hands of, um, I'm going to use Brazil because that's my current current situation. Whenever you put your hands in the hands of a, put yourself in the hands of like a, you know, Brazilian, whether in terms of like tour or whatever, you have to brace yourself. Like, like you say, this is a this is a country that's drenched in its extreme poverty, right? They see you as a foreigner. They know that you're there. A lot of, a lot of these people haven't even left their own their home state, let alone their country. If you talk to any Brazilian or most Brazilians, they haven't even left their country ever so they see you as a foreigner and they know that it takes money to get to get there so they know that you have money they know that and they need it they genuinely need the money and they see you coming for example i went i went on a tour in salvador and you know i could tell that i was his come up for the day do you know what i mean like you know he he, he saw me lonely um you know walking by myself in the town he was like hey do you want to talk tour guide he was an official tour guide and I was like, yeah, cool, let's go on a tour guide. And then from there, it was like a whirlwind of, you know, do you want to buy this art and, you know, meet my friend? Do you want to give them a tip to help their charity? And and then at the end, of course, I tipped him. And in the end, you know, I, I, I don't mind because it was a good tour. It was a good tour. But you've got to expect, like I said, whenever you put yourself in the hands of a person from a poor country, they're going to want something from you, like, you know, they're really, it's like, a, it's like the old sales technique where they give you the product and say, Hey, you can hold this. And once you hold it, what they're going to say, they're going to say, wow, this, that's going to be $50 or whatever. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They're going to want something from you. And yeah, you don't want to be, um, you don't want to be cynical because ultimately, yes, I can afford it. And yes, I know that there's a huge in, in, in balance in wealth, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, just like I say, I think a lot of people are prepared for the street violence and all that stuff, but I think more people need to be prepared for the for the more kind of like less violent ways of being scammed and taking the all best, your money. The best salesman I've salespeople I've ever seen in my life were on Fifth Avenue in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I've never seen so many people work like uh, persuasion techniques like like just like that. I mean, it was, it was like a, a masterclass in how to sell and persuade people. I mean, it was fascinating, but uh, yeah, I, I don't tip in foreign countries. Like I, it, it, a lot of places there's no tip culture. You know what I mean? That's why I love being in Europe. I don't have to fucking tip. It's not, I, I hate that like attitude of like, Oh, I, I deserve this or what I don't really get it a lot, but if someone does a really good job and I like them a lot, okay, I'll, I'll throw them some tips, but I, I just dislike tipping so much. And it's such a, an American thing. We tip like it's like, we'll tip like our doctor probably. I mean, it's freaking crazy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I mean, Europeans, we, we don't really like tipping in America either, to be honest. We just feel like, uh, 
there's just yeah there's just this pressure to 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 just give everyone money that does every little thing for you brazil's not quite that way it's just like i say it's just when you go on these like you know if you go on these tours just bear in mind that you know the tour guide knows everyone in, in that town and he's probably he, he knows that he has to everyone has to get their share basically you're you're the mark for the day you know it sounds negative but you're the come up for the day so not just the tour guide but all his friends who work in all the bars and who work who, who are selling all the crafts all them they have to get their cut too so he'll lead you he, he'll lead you around to all his friends and you know encourage you to tip and yeah like i said just 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 brace yourself that yeah people that you trust they might come to you with their hands open. They might do it officially. They might try to scam you. It's a real shame, but I understand it because there's a huge wealth inequality in this country. So what are you going to do? I'm curious. Okay. So like go where you're treated best, the nomad capitalist. Um, it seems like in America, now I'm blessed how I grew up, like everything. Like I'm glad I was born in the USA for the opportunity, but you know, five, six years ago, I was like seeing the writing on the wall, like white men are the most evil people in the world in America. And it was just getting ugly. Right. And then I start going to these other countries and it's like, it's like, I'm God. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm curious now, like when I was in Brazil, bro, I mean, I'd be wearing sunglasses and people I'm with are like, just take your sunglasses out. Let me see your eyes. Like, I mean, the amount of like, like worshiping almost. And there is like a lot of uh, like, uh, it's La Mesa Razora. It's like improve the race. There's that quote. A lot of the Argentinas or a lot of the South Americans use about trying to marry someone that has a whiter skin than you. This is like, you know, steeped in, um, you know, colonialism and whatnot, because I mean, every leader in uh, Latin America is basically European, right? With white features and whatnot. And I'm asking yeah. you this, do you, um, cause you're a black dude. Did you still get the same sort of like attention as um, when I was there? Like, I mean, it was extreme. Like when you start speaking, do they just hound you too? Is that how it goes, or what is the story? Or do you blend in more in Brazil? Yeah, it's um, it's it, it it's not quite to that level. I mean, you know, I think that black guys, we 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 have our fans wherever we go in the world, really, and that number tends to stay the same, really, in pretty much everywhere. Um, you know, if you imagine, like for example, if you imagine there's like I don't know, they say there's like a ten percent gay population. You could say in every country obviously some countries repress it more than others but I'd, I'd say that in terms of like um women that want to date outside their race like let's say there's 10 percent of them do you know what i mean in every country no bro scandinavia is uh your brazil my brazil or whatever <laughs> if you go to scandinavia yeah. you're the god there yeah yeah i know i know i know but like i'm just saying on average so like as a black man black men know this you know we we have our fans wherever we go um whether it's thailand um brazil wherever you know there are people that are like you know they're like you know oh, i've never done it before i've never been with a black guy before i want to try it or whatever but um yeah you know i'm i'm, I'm not complaining uh, <laughs> out here you know, you know treatment um, treatment's been all right but yeah i mean definitely the whole yeah basically the leaders in all latin american countries i think apart from bolivia who I think the Bolivian prime minister is a is an Indian. Sells their whole but, population, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but everywhere else, I think, yeah, it's pretty much the most Caucasian person you can find in the country, um, is 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 the leader, um, and yeah, that's just that it's just it's it's just a legacy thing, and that's what fascinates me actually, the difference between North America and South America in like in terms of like how 
the the race kind of differences and race situation is huge because like Latin America has like more black people than North America, but yet they have less prominence. Like I can't even name one famous, obviously apart from you know footballers in you know in that sense, I can't name any famous black Brazilians or famous black people from, from Latin America apart from footballers. Um, whereas obviously you know if you think about the United States, you know black people in, in the United States pretty much define black culture globally you know and culture globally in in a more general sense so it it does fascinate me how there is this huge difference you know black people in latin america they just kind of like they just kind of like blend into the background i mean i've not heard of them kind of like rising up in 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 the terms of like you know um their civil rights i've not heard of them having a civil rights movement or whatever that that stuff didn't really happen it's like it's like basically latin america in a lot of ways is kind of like the us pre-civil rights basically um yeah it is quite it is quite blatant the racism here racism here can be quite can be quite blatant but at the same time it's accepted yeah exactly at the same time brazil is still my favorite country that i've ever been to in my whole life so it's like do you know what i mean it's 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 complicated but yeah it is fascinating how you know we have to be as as black people worldwide i think we recognize what um black americans have done because they have really pushed the race forward you know what i mean if you think about all the civil rights movements really defined like you know malcolm x uh luther king these are people that enabled other black people in other countries to like fight for their rights you know what i mean it, it's kind of like a snowball process so yeah we appreciate we appreciate y'all um you know what you did for us yeah it is fascinating the difference between north america and uh latin america when it comes to that it is trippy um okay so we haven't even talked about your background so you're software but now you're consulting i mean are you totally nomadic now or what is um your plan yeah, I mean, I've been in Brazil nearly three months, and I've been, yeah, I've been. This is my laptop, and I, yeah, I've been working. Um, it's it's kind of crazy because you, you can hear the sound of waves here. And I, I never realized waves were so loud. So when I'm in meetings, I'm kind of worried. Can they hear? Can they hear like the waves lapping on the shore? You know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's it, it's a bit worrying. Um, yeah, but you know, one year ago, in the middle of the pandemic, I was in I was in the UK. And uh, it was a bit, it was a bit miserable. And I was watching videos like your videos, foreign strategies. I was watching um, this guy called Rami Traveled on YouTube. Um, it's different people doing videos about Brazil, and they were showing, you know, videos of like Lapa and um, Copacabana, and basically all these like hot Brazilians having parties on the beach. And I remember thinking, what is going on? I thought there's a pandemic going on, but yeah, there's like packed beach parties every day what are these people doing so i was like i was like, okay because i was i was knee deep in uh russian at the time learning russian because i i study languages in my in my spare time i love to study languages so i remember thinking okay i'm gonna have to pivot to portuguese because i'm gonna have to get myself involved in this brazilian situation so that's when i started to like pivot towards um portuguese and start learning portuguese and um yeah a year later I'm here living living that kind of beach life, uh, beach party situation. You know, I've been in beach parties in uh, in you know Leblon, pretty much as you see in those YouTube videos. You know, with the hot Brazilians or whatever. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, um, for me, it's not a holiday. I think all the time that I've been here, I've probably had maybe two official days off work. Um, the rest of the time, due to the time zone difference, I can work in the morning, wake up early, work in the morning, and then by one o'clock, two o'clock, I can finish for the day um, because of time zone difference, obviously. And that means I have the afternoon and the evenings free. Um, yeah, I've been doing that for three months. So I'm actually missing home a little bit now. So I actually want to go home. And you know, when you travel for a long time, you, you build up a whole bunch of things that you got to go and sort out. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I've got to go, go, go home and um, resolve. But yeah, um, this is the longest that I've been away for uh, three months. So yeah, this is my first time doing that whole living away from home, working away from home for like this amount of time. And it's been great. It's been a complete success. Um, everything has gone smoothly. There was a situation where one of my um, power cables kind of failed, failed on me. So I had to like quickly find a replacement for my for my laptop um, power cable. But apart from that, everything has been great. There was a power cut. I remember I was in Hesife and there was a power cut for like six hours, which again, you have to be prepared when you're in these countries, you know, <laughs> power cuts, internet blackouts, these things can happen. So you got to have your backup strategy. Um, but yeah, I've been remarkably lucky. It's been completely seamless. My clients don't know where I am in the world. And they don't need to know where I am in the world um, as, as long as I'm available to them when they need me. Yeah, it's been great. Did you ever think before you did this that it would be this seamless, this easy, this fun, this doable? No, because, I mean, to be honest, I was ahead of the curve because yeah, I work in IT. So, you know, IT technology, we knew 10 years ago, we knew five years ago that commuting is bullshit. Like what, 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 before the pandemic, right? It was madness. If you think about all the packed trains, you know, people basically misery to go to an office and to sit there for what, for what really? Like it, it was, it, it was weird. And, you know, thankfully because of the pandemic, the one good thing that came out of it was finally, you know, your average Joe, not just people like me and you, but your average Joe realized like, wait a minute, like, why am I commuting two hours? Like, why am I doing that? We knew that. Me, people like me and you, you know, I work in IT. I've known that for 10 years. Like, we have the technology. We don't have to do this. But finally, I feel like the world is caught up to my lifestyle. That's that's how I feel. This is the lifestyle that I should have been living 10 years ago. But my clients wouldn't really have allowed it. My clients would have demanded, oh, you got to come in to the office, like, oh, at least twice a week. Oh, at least, you know, do you know what I mean? They would have demanded it. Now there's been a revolution where it's like, no, we don't need you. In, we don't need you in the office. Um, you know, people, it's kind of weird, but like the fear, I'm like, I'm surfing on that fear that, that everyone else has. I don't have the fear. I don't have fear of COVID, but I'm surfing on it. Everyone has the fear of going back to the office or whatever and spreading COVID. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, you, you guys can maintain that fear because it means that we don't have to go back to the office. And I hope that you can keep that fear going for the next 10 years because then, yeah, let's keep this going. This is what I worry about, though. And this is why I hope the metaverse takes up because of what's happened. This lifestyle has gotten way more popular. 
when things get more popular, the prices go way farther up. Then you have to deal with places like Tulum turned into fucking mini LA. And uh, like we have so many people coming into this space and it kind of gets rid of like uh, the original thrill of it. And the, oh, this is unique. And this is where like you're like hacking the matrix right now. So many people are coming into this matrix and it's kind of blowing shit out of proportion. But what I hope happens is the metaverse thing really takes off and people want to live in that and they want to go spend all their time, you know, with the video games and, and their cool uh, sandbox and, and whatnot. So then this is still available because sadly, I want a lot of these places to stay cheap. I mean, I like living like a king with the, the money I make and it, I, I want it to kind of go back a little bit to not like where you're spending, you know, the same amount of money in Tulum as you were like in LA. You know what I mean? So but I, I do agree, like uh, whatever his name is, uh, um, uh, the, the big uh, investor guy that everyone, um, famous American investor, you know, when blood is on the streets, you invest. Or that was uh, Rockefeller, maybe. Or one of those uh, Rothschilds. Yeah, Rothschilds. When, when there's fear, you know, take advantage of it like you did, like this. Like people sit, I mean, I never, I did for one fucking month because they. If I was in Italy when this happened and they literally were at police everywhere. And I was like, shit, this is ridiculous. Then I found loopholes so I could travel after a month. And ever since then, I've been just going. And it's been amazing. Like that first year in Italy, dude, I shit you not, Rome was dead. You know, I posted that one reel. There was nobody there. The Mafia Coast, I was getting crazy deals. I mean, there was a par apartments, full apartments in Venice for like $20 a night. You know what I mean? Like when shit is hitting the fan and when people are scared, take advantage of it. I totally agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that you have to unplug from the matrix in terms of you have to stop watching the news because I find that a lot of people who have the biggest fear are also the biggest like news consumers, especially when it's traditional media, uh, like the BBC or whatever. The, you know, that that's what gives you the most fear. That that's where I was getting my information last year about Brazil was like basically the epicenter of COVID. And then I'd watch YouTube and I'd see people partying on the beach and I'm thinking hmm something doesn't add up here <laughs> it's like this doesn't look like the epicenter of covid to me this looks like people in bikinis having parties every day um and i think i want a piece of that um but yeah absolutely this lifestyle is spreading brazil now has the digital nomad um visa where you can stay here for a year and extend for another year um and the brazil hey out is going up like when I first came, um, one, 100 pounds here was about, oh, 100 hayas was about 137, um, sorry, 10, ah, 100 hayas was about, um, what was it? About 18 10, pounds? About 13, yeah, it was about 13. Um, but now it's around, now it's around 18, yeah. So, Okay. Um, I've, I've been looking at the charts and the Brazilian payout is actually really going up. And, and the reason why it's going up is because of like investments. You know, people are looking this whole like situation in, in Ukraine. People are wanting, to, want, wanting to, to diversify away from the US because they see that the US is quite heavily involved in this conflict in like, you know, the return of the Cold War or whatever. You know, US versus Russia using other countries as proxies. So now people want to diversify away from the US and they're investing in countries like Brazil and the Brazilian hair is going up. So it's getting more and more expensive. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm spending things that cost me, for example, um, 137 pounds or 13 pounds 
uh, a month, two months ago, now costs 187 pounds. Um, so yeah, it's getting more expensive. Oh here. shit! Yeah, I just noticed it's a uh, one dollar is 4.7 uh, ray highs. So like, I was getting five, 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 six. Damn. That yeah, you can insane. you can see the trend line. You can see the trend line yeah. for sure. I, I need to. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of going. Yeah, that scares me. I need to go uh, to Argentina then and, and get that peso thing. But uh, yeah, and also yeah. because of food, because oh, uh, uh, Brazil exports a lot of raw materials and then the food and obviously the makeup for the oil and um, for the Ukraine, the wheat and all that stuff. I guess Ukraine is or Brazil is making a lot of money because of it. But shit, they, they need to switch that because. I really want to get a place in, in Floripa and I don't want to be paying crazy rates. So we need something bad to happen there, sadly. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. Um, again, you know, back on the kind of economics, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, we benefit from it, you know, having the, the British pound and the American dollar. But, you know, yeah, the, 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 the Brazilian hail was so low for so long. You know, you come here and you feel like kings. It feels like that trend is kind of reversing a little bit now. I don't know how long that's going to last for, um, but um, yeah, let's see it. Let's see how. I mean, it's still cheap, but yeah, food has gone up, and depending on what neighborhood you live in in Brazil, if you live in like Leblon, yeah, things are going to get expensive. Um, but yeah, yeah. Awesome. Good. We got a good 53 minutes in there. Talked about uh, Russian melancholy. How do you say that word? Melancholy? Melancholy. Melancholy. I've been reading about that. It is fascinating. A little Latin American yeah. vibes. Uh, awesome. Hey, you spoke really good. This is your first podcast you've done, no? No, I've, I've done other podcasts, um, but not for like a few years. Okay. Awesome. Where can they find you on the, the Instagram or where else you got? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, just jump on my Instagram, King Jam35. Kind of reads like King James. King James. Cool. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate it, boss man. I'll let you get back to that beautiful apartment. Enjoy it. You're gonna miss it. Uh hit that beach and make sure did you take the a girl to the naked beach yet or no? Not not yet. Oh not my yet. god. The one thing I told you you needed to do. Yep. And I think today is going to be a great day as well. It's been raining past two days, but today's going to be a great day. So, yeah, for sure today, going to get out and explore. But, yeah, awesome. yo, um, I really appreciate you um, actually, you know, obviously being in touch and um, responding to my DM and all that, um, you know, considering that I was just some random dude from the internet. So, yeah, I appreciate you giving me the tips and helping me out. And, um, yeah, hopefully... You know, our paths will cross uh, in real life one day. I'd, I'd love to meet you, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. That is a, a big thing about this podcast. It's, it's a vehicle, you know, to connect people, to network, uh, to give value out and, and receive it back. So I appreciate you reaching out to me. Anyone else listening? Let's. I'd love to get in contact. Contact James, too, if you need some advice or maybe cross paths traveling. But for sure, I will be in Europe well, till July, and then I'm going to go to Turkey for the summer and then probably Egypt in the fall. So we definitely should um, try to meet up. I'd love to do it. All right, man. Appreciate you, Nick. Hi, right, guys. Uh, live bold.